One, two, three, four. Palapalooza. Palapalooza. We're talking to you. I'm Palapalooza. San Diego, California. Thanks for tuning in to Palapalooza. I'm your host, Troy Cook. This week, we chat with Sonny Sandoval, the lead singer of the San Diego-based rock band P.O.D. P.O.D. has received three Grammy Award nominations. Their album, The Fundamental Elements of Southtown, was certified platinum, and their 2001 release, Satellite, went triple platinum. We chat about their time on SNL, collaborations with Santana, Katy Perry, and much more. Enjoy. Sonny, how you doing, my friend? What's up, buddy? Let me switch you on my headphones. Sure. Is that better? Yeah, that's way better. Oh, nice. Yes, sir. Thanks for your time. We've been texting back and forth, so I understand that you're Mr. Sandoval at the household these days, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can relate, brother. Yeah. How many kids do you have? I have three. My, my oldest, she's actually uh, just wrapped up her second year over here at State. And so my other two, um, what is it, tenth uh, and seventh grade. So wow. they're still they're still wrapping up all their online stuff, you know. So okay. I don't know what I don't know how much I can offer them, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's in second grade, you know. So yeah, I've got see, the I got the intelligence for that, but I don't know about tenth grade, brother. Right, bro. That's when I was good. I, I homeschooled my my youngest uh, all the way up until. Uh, let's see, kindergarten, one, two, three, four, I think almost f- fifth grade, just so he can go on the road with me. Wow. And so, so literally, dude, we were super busy and he hit basically the back of the bus and every green room, I just turned it into a classroom and yeah, I, I, I can handle that one real easy. But then, you know, now it starts stepping up a little bit. And I'm like, dude, I got to get a recap myself. Wow. That's crazy, dude. So yeah. he was all the way through about what, 10 years old on the road with POD? Yeah, it was a ten. Yeah, I'd say probably up to maybe nine. Yeah. So, dude, I mean, I had to. Like, we just got started again. You know, we took a little break, and then I was like, dude, the only way, you know, I just need family, man. Right. What an incredible experience for for him and you as a dad. That must have been cool. Oh, for sure, bro. It was yeah, good times for sure. Yeah, good memories. We are, we are. Last three months, man, stay-at-home orders here in San Diego uh, has not only hit the music community pretty hard, but uh, obviously parents and kids and basically everyone's been affected by this. How is POD doing, man? Are you guys staying busy? Um, I mean, you know, we're trying to, I mean, obviously we're busy um, in personal stuff and I've been, I've been actually recording a, a grip of uh, just some solo stuff that actually kind of kicked me in the butt to do some things you know since i had the time i was like i can't just sit around so got to track a bunch of stuff and and i'm really excited about that because everybody knows that i and i is wanted and they'll make you disappear like nothing ever happened and everybody's scared to speak but they're still asking because sunny dread me to sleeping lion just trying to um test the waters on what's happening it's kind of been this this crazy waiting game um, you know, so we're really at the mercy of what what's going on in in our community and our countries right you know right now. So, uh, but we're we're planning for twenty one. You know, if if 
tours and stuff get pushed back, then we're already kind of trying to jump on the game, you know, because that's, I mean, we're working musicians, so that's that's where we make our money is off touring. And if we can't tour, then, you know, we're going to starve. Yeah, no, I sympathize with musicians like you. I DJ for a living, so I can relate. You're a man that likes to collaborate. You you hooked up with our good friends uh, Nights Like Thieves and Scott Z. Yeah. recently, <laughs> dude. That's a banger song. Magic Eyes off their new EP, The Forgotten. No, that was all them. It had nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you talk about that briefly? I mean, I think you and Mario were in touch. And then obviously you and I share mutual friends with uh, Scott Zikla. Yeah. You basically just recorded that at home and sent them the track. Came out really well. That's it, man. Like I said, just working on some of my own stuff. Um, you know, Scott had hit me up. And um, and again, just I was. it's always kind of just like this email game or text game going back and forth. And. And totally. I had committed to some other things and I heard the track and I was like, dude, I really, I really like these guys. You know what I mean? And, and, but I didn't want to just like not do something. I don't know. Just, I don't know. I just didn't want it to be like I was, I didn't care about it. You know what I mean? But I had already committed to some other stuff. And, and then I was telling him like, dude, don't wait on me, bro. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that to you. Like, I wish I could just do it right now, but I just don't even have time to think about it. But, but I was like, but if you, if you want, like, if you already know what you kind of want me to do, just let me know. I'm used to kind of going in and riding my part, you know? But I was like, but dude, if you just need like me to jump on and kind of maybe the backup, some harmonies, whatever, let me know. And they're like, actually just kind of the bridge, maybe just say this. And I was like, dude, that's easy for me, dude. No problem. You know? So yeah, really just, I have, you know, a little setup here and really just a few takes and then send over. And I said, dude, I hope this is good enough. I'm like, dude, well, this is awesome. It came out really good, man. You dropped a few bars there in the bridge and uh, Mario has been mixing and mastering it. And it, it came out really well. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, we have a lot of locals that listen, man. Um, I was wondering maybe if you could take us back to the more local days, the early days of P.O.D., and, uh, you know, venues you play around town and maybe bands that you'd team up with. You wanna you wanna sort of reminisce about those days? For sure, man. We're dude, we're we're the old guys now, you know what I mean? So we've been around <laughs> I think someone just sent me a flyer and it was like a Soma. I don't know if it was a New Year's gig, like in early I saw that. Yeah, early nineties, someone had like Sprung Monkey, you know, and Blink and Pennywise and It's like five bucks, dude, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ghoul Spoon, remember all those all the old yep. school San Diego bands and um but yeah, dude, we would we would play wherever they they'd let us play, man. From, you know, was it what is it was it Dream Street back then? There's a uh, dude OB, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe even uh, Soul Kitchen in Oklahoma, Soul possibly. Kitchen, yeah, what was the the was it just Java or was something? All the all the straight edge bands would play. Yeah, Canes maybe right. You probably hit up Canes. Oh yeah, dude. Oh Canes before they changed it up to a nice little restaurant. Yeah, we do. We we played everywhere from the cool venues in San Diego to backyard parties to abandoned uh, houses in Chula Vista. You know what I mean? And, but we, I think one of the coolest things for us is we were just trying to do what we do or, you know, with music we like, and we were into all the hardcore stuff and the punk stuff, but obviously reggae and hip hop. And it was uh, really more influenced um, by the band House of Suffering, watching them kind of switch up their straight edge sound and music. And then when they had got, um, Daryl to kind of do this, this, this rapping thing.
I think we played a show with them at some straight edge party and they, you know, they loved us and, and we ended up sharing like a little studio together and they helped us out, you know, way back then. And so we got, we got some ties, man, for sure. Yeah. You guys cross the genres. Uh, honestly, I was thinking about this better than anyone I know, man, with, with hip hop and rock, you guys really, you did it right and it, it works with your sound. And I think that is uh, a big factor in why you guys, you know, are, are multi-platinum, oh. multiple Grammy nominations. Um, yeah. I mean, a huge amount of success for POD. Formed in 1992, and I think your mainstream success came around 2000, right? When you were certified platinum, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, we had dropped the record. I think it was in '99, and then it went platinum. So 2000 was kind of when you know we just got super busy, and then you know a little exposure here, and you know from TV to radio, and then by the time we dropped the next record, it was just kind of moving. Did you always have your? I mean, did you always have as a goal? to achieve that sort of success or when you first started with POD was it more of a a hobby sort of situation no it was it I mean, we were all working as kids it was definitely more just a local thing and then um I think one summer and I want to say I want to say 94 where we all you know took like three weeks off of uh, vacation for for work and stuff and um we had these friends of ours were in a band called the blamed and they were working their way to this festival out in like Bushnell, Illinois. And, um, and then, uh, they said, do you guys want to come out? And they, they had a couple of shows on the way and we do, we just packed everything up and, you know, a little broken down little van and truck. And we went and, and, and did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you hustled it for a while. It's crazy with, with bands like POD, you, you seem like almost overnight success because you blow up, you know, on the, mainstream you know radio and and everything there's so much mainstream success but you guys really did hustle it for about you know eight years there huh totally man we did everything independently and once we kind of just thought that this is well actually actually by just doing those tours you know after a couple of years i think it was by the time 96 came around it was like we were kind of building a buzz you know in these little towns and stuff we would go through from west coast to east coast that we really had the opportunity right. to do this beyond just you know a summer a few weeks in the summer, you know, the tour. And it was like a big decision we had to make. And so we all quit our jobs. And I think Trey, our bass player, he had the, he had the, his job actually really paid some, some good money. And so it was a big step right. for all of us to really kind of get out of our comfort zone and say, if we really think that this is happening for us, then we got to give it a shot, you know? And so then we just started touring on our own forever. And I think by the time, like you said, seven, eight years came by, we're like, Gee, we've, we're kind of doing this to, you know, is there a chance to, to do it in any other level? And that's when we kind of started seeking out maybe label opportunities, you know, any bigger label opportunities instead of doing stuff just independently. And that's, you know, we put our feelers out and we started doing showcases, you know, got some mm -hmm. people that really believed in us to kind of make those phone calls. And um, little by little, man, wow. we just kept working it and we, we got our shot. Right on. That's just cool to hear, dude, as a, as a local, and I'm sure some other local musicians will like to hear that and, you know, be be inspired by that for sure. Yeah, but now it's kind of gone back a little bit full circle where it's really, you can do it on your own. I think we were, we had did as much as we could on our own, you know, with the means that we had in whatever, early 90s, mid 90s. But now it's kind of like, dude, you don't want these labels, you know what I mean? You don't want these bigger labels that are just going to kind of... Uh, you know, they, they, before it was, but they were just kind of served more as a bank. That's kind of how we looked at it. Um, you know, and unfortunately, you realize that, you know, as of any bank, you end up being the one that owes, 
you know, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how many records you sell. So now, right. you know, if you're on it and, you know, with the social media and now the, the means to record in our own homes is, you know, you can just do it on your own and, and, and really kind of keep the business to yourself. Sure. You dropped Circles in 2018. What label was that under? We jumped on a label called Mascot. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. We've been working with them and got to do kind of got touch back through international um touring again with them at least as far as europe and stuff goes but it, again man we've been through it's such a long story but we've been through such the ringer with you know where with labels and stuff that we kind of made the decision like that we weren't really going to be tied down by anybody and so we really kind of pick and choose who we want to work with and again mm -hmm. there's there's the ups and downs you know what i mean there's a lot more you go with the label bigger labels and, and you sell your soul a little bit you know you right. there is more exposure there is other opportunities or you know, I think for us, we just made the decision after doing it for so long was just peace of mind. Yeah. You know, it just really kind of being a band instead of just a bit a business to these guys and really doing it because we love it. You know, it's more like, OK, well, we you got to kind of count your costs and say, hey, well, at least we're doing it because we love it. And, and, and we can kind of set our own pace rather than just being a part of this formula, um, you know, and selling your soul to that. So that's a decision we made. Some people still do it. And you know, they still see big success, you know, but that's at some point in your career, you make the decision to say, Hey man, maybe this is worth it to do it this way. That's awesome, man. I can't imagine the amount that you've learned in the past 20 years about the music industry. Oh bro. Stuff, <laughs> so much, but it, it, it's always just been a learning process. And now if you can go back and kind of apply it, who knows how different things would be. <laughs> right. No, totally. We talked about collaborations, man. Uh, you did a collaboration with Katy Perry before she got huge. You want to talk about that? That was on your track. Goodbye for now. Yeah, yeah. We, we were actually um, finishing up a record. We had started a record with a with, with different producer, and, and then for some reason, um, we just needed some extra help. And then, again, here here's the here's the perks of being on a big label on Atlantic Records. They wanted to see the album finished, so obviously they pushed, and we worked with a, a producer named Glenn Ballard. And Glenn Ballard is, you know, he had like Grammys just spilling off his tables when we went to his studio, you know, and, <laughs> but he's worked from a, you know, from Michael Jackson to Van Halen to just everybody. He's just that wow. industry guy. Right. Right. And so here we were again with the awesome opportunity to work with a, a big shot like this guy. And, um, we were recording or we recording all our songs with him. And then, um, actually he, he found Alanis Morissette as well. And so at the time he was working with Katy Perry, who was nobody at the time. And we did the song and I was like, dude, I think we need some like female vocals on this track, but just really set it off, you know? And he was like, I got the girl, let me invite her over for dinner and hang out. And she was like, dude, she was super young. Just really, just a scrub dude, you know, right. she, she, she was more tomboy and, you know, more like punk rock back then. And I think my, I think our, my cousin has some footage of her just like picking her nose and hanging, you know, just <laughs> hanging out. She would hang out at the studio. And she was rad, you know, she ended up just kind of kicking with us all the time. And, and because she was his kind of this protege, you know, she, he was grooming her to, you know, just have this experience. And so she had nothing to do and she'd hang around and she did her part. And, you know, and then we got to go and perform it, I think on Jay Leno and a couple other TV shows. And 
before you know it, dude, just because she's in that Hollywood life, you know, she went on to be Katy Perry. That's amazing. That's a great story. She's got the look, you know, obviously uh, songwriting. Yeah, that's, that's a great story. I wanted to bring that up uh, real quickly. And then also we got a shout out with collaborations, Carlos Santana, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was watching video of that the other day. Yeah. Uh, and our, our friend Scott, I was actually uh, kind of telling me about that. Do you want to talk about that collaboration and how that was to, to share the stage with Carlos Santana? Oh, I mean, obviously, you know, one of the, the dreams come true. You know what I mean? I right. think I think at that point, you know, we had had some success and some albums sold. And it, he had just come off of that huge collab album. I think it was Supernatural that was like, who knows? Probably like a, a, oh yeah, with like smooth, right? Rob Thomas, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was like a hundred million records or something. But he went on to do the second one, and so again, he was kind of, you know, he collaborated with the um, artists of that time that were kind of, you know, on the charts or just whatever in the in the in the limelight. Um, and then we already had some. We had already met him before. Look, you know, luckily uh, at a festival in Europe, and we kind of connected with the San Diego TJ, you know, right. connection here. Right. And um, so I think we were always kind of on his radar at that point. And then we got hit up to do a song. And of course, we took, a, you know, the opportunity to do it. And it was, like I said, a dream come true. This is America. P.O.D. and Santana. Live in La Casa. We mentioned uh, Grammy nominations, bro. Can you talk about the, the first Grammy nomination and, and how you heard about that and what that meant to you, like that experience? I mean, it was mind blowing, you know, obviously, but that's again, that's when you kind of start learning the politics of even the game. You know what I mean? It's like, here we are. I think we were like in some metal category. And we're like, we never really consider ourselves metal band. And it was like, it was an album track that was like probably one of our heaviest. And it was punky, but it was heavier. And it was like, wow, that's interesting that we're here we are. Um, you know, we're just this band coming up and. I mean, obviously, you, you sit there and you take it, dude, how, how grateful I am, I'm appreciative. But then you also kind of see the politics that work behind it. You know what I mean? Not saying that we're undeserving or whatever, but there's definitely, there's a lot of politics going on huh. in that. And I think uh, I think we had gotten all dressed up with the wives. Everything was this big old shindig. We were ready to have fun. And then I think we got the, the call on the way over of, of who was going to win it. Oh, really? I think we had just entered the building and we had seats and everything. And we're just like... Well, that's cool. Like, what? Dude, let's. We don't need to go anymore. <laughs> I, mean, I think we were the only guys in like khakis and t-shirts. You know what I mean? And and uh, I think we just went straight over to like the after party, bro, and just kind of hung out. And nice. Yeah, it was. Again, I mean, we're we've played the game as much as we can, but you know, at some point, I mean, again, we've always just kind of been that San Diego underground kind of hardcore punk band. It was just like, I mean, we're not as punky sounding as most bands, but we're definitely anti a lot of things. You know what I mean? It was like, all right, we'll just, we're, we're grateful, you know, and we'll just leave it at that. Right on, man. It's interesting how different levels of success are, are sort of different than you imagine. Is that safe to say? Yeah, for sure. dude. You know, like as a local, a lot of locals listening, you know, I, I think they're striving for a Grammy ultimately, but you know, from what I'm hearing from you, it wasn't maybe the ultimate experience when you actually, when you got there. I mean, it's, it's, again, don't, I don't want to make it seem that way or, or crush anybody's <laughs> like goals and dreams because it's awesome and it'll always be awesome. Right. But again, like only looking back hindsight, you're just like how much stuff goes on in this industry that is, you know, again, it's, there's so 
much manipulation and there's so much even now more so with the way things have changed with management and companies and now people aren't making money off their records so there's other ways to get the your, your hustle and to use bands and you know it's not it's not at least we were at the kind of the edge of like hey dude the music still matters yeah to now and, and you took pride in that because i guess my music I, I love doing this and i'm grateful for any type of recognition yeah. and nowadays it's more like there's more business and who you know and more and and more just a lot of more of this rather than damn that's just a good song or that's a dude that band is amazing live or any of that stuff that's all lasts now you know what right. i mean so you look you look at it and you're like ah oh, well this kind of sucks right you know what i mean like and so then you you find yourself being in that old school category of the guys are just like well dude back in my day you know what i mean or albums and when you know when we recorded we're, we kind of were in we're now in that that area right. where you talk to a kid now who can record out of his bathroom yeah he doesn't even have to have any band members and then you know put out a record and it's like dude you know he, he his album can fly to the top of the charts and you're like dude that guy recorded his album out of his basement and on one side you think that's cool but another side you're kind of like well what is it i don't know right <laughs> i don't know if it was really cool yeah i don't know yeah i know that's a good point we talk about that a lot um it's interesting to get that perspective from from someone like you what are your thoughts on spotify i, I mean dude I, I just want to get paid for it that's all Right. I mean, if that's the if that's the way people uh, um, experience music these days, I mean, I, I get going with the times. I don't know what really changed. Like, if, so now a kid that was buying our record, you know, was helping us pay our bills. Now he can go and stream it, and before you can just download it for free. And there's still ways you can get it for free. But so they do the streaming, and then all these big corporates are getting the the advertisement money, and they're making money, but they're not paying the artists. Right. I mean, that's it for me. I do not get a check that comes to my house that says from Spotify or from YouTube or from any, I do not get that. Wow. And so, yeah. So that's my point is like, we, we've been hustling forever and we thought, dude, by the time we get to our age and, you know, almost 30 years deep in our career, man, we can really just, just pick and choose, you know what I mean? And be home more. And, you know, we worked our butts off before and now it's like, we're working even harder just to, just to tour. Right. So that's, that's the real side, you know, unless you're like this band that again is bringing in thousands of people at a show every night you know, then, and you're not in that scene or that co that co kind of corporate scene. You, you are a working class band, and that's where that's exactly where POD is. And wow. it's and it's insane because we could talk about these accolades, we could talk about these collabs and Grammys and stuff. So when people hear the name POD, they're like, "Oh yeah, dude, POD is huge." And it's like, "Dude, we're a working band, right?" Like that. That's you don't know the behind the scenes stuff because we're not on that. You know, the, the again the, the these labels or these we doing stuff on, in the corporate level. We are a hardworking, hustling band that is just working paycheck to paycheck, and we're grateful. We love doing it, and and you know, and it's paying our bills at the moment. But now, when times like these come in, and they're saying, "Dude, you can't even tour till next year," it's like, "Oh wow, dude!" Right. I guess millions of records don't mean anything because because I got you know again, if I, we're not showing up to for work and we don't get paid, it's like, "Wow, this is crazy." It is more about shows these days, playing shows, touring, and merch sales, obviously, right? Yeah, dude. We feel so it's full circle. We feel like we're that independent band again, just hustling t shirts out of the back of our trailer, you know what I mean? Playing where they'll let us play. I mean, obviously, we're lucky and blessed to have a, a, you know, a following. But also, we've become we've become a corporate ourselves. You know, we employ people, and and so you play a lot of these shows. It's like you just it's like going back into your business. We're a small business again. Crazy. 
a small business that might actually look bigger than it is, but we're a small business that's constantly tucking money back into our business. And so you have to sit there and say, dude, is our business building? Right. Is it building or is it just, are we just stoked to be playing music still and pay our bills? And you kind of have to wrestle with all that stuff and say, dude, I'll take what I can get. Or we also get to the place where we're like, dude, maybe it's, maybe it's time to move on, you know, and do something different. You know, it's, we, we battle all this stuff. If I was this band and it was like, dude, we just have revenue checks and stuff coming in, you know, you'd be like, oh, dude, music is just fun. But now you're like, dude, okay, it's still fun. And that's what, that's what keeps us going. But really, this is our business. And if our business is not doing well, then, man, you got to do something else. And that's, that's just, that's the sad truth about working bands. I swear, I can hear it so it's a tough business, I think it's safe it to is. say, right, it bro? Is. I mean, to summarize the past few minutes, you, get, you, you separate the art from the business. And, yeah. you know, the art, the art that you've created must be very fulfilling for you to, to hear those amazing songs that you've written and how they've inspired people out there. Yeah, dude, that, I've said this in, in every interview and someone asked me, dude, it's the only... You know, almost 30 years later, dude, I've been out on the road, tired. My family's getting older. All the holidays, anniversaries, all the things miss. And, and, and it, it's, it's worth it only because there's still people out there saying, dude, your music, that, that, that guy or that gal that really loves music. You know what I mean? When you, when you can separate from just this kind of evil empire of the music industry and be like, wait a minute. Right. Out of all those millions of people, that one person was listening, you know, and that's like, dude, it's undeniable, you know, and I, and, and I literally show after show, you know, I'm always, our band is very accessible, always available. I literally, I, I wait, you know, to talk to, to, to somebody, you know, I don't want to hear dude, you guys rocked and, you know, you guys are amazing. It's show after show. There's, there's, if not one person to a handful of people, to a group of people that say, dude, your music changed my life. Right on. Dude, I, you know, I was going to kill myself. And then this song came on the radio, wow. you know, or dude, I'm a recovering heroin, heroin addict. And I quit cold Turkey when I heard this song, you know, it's, it's amazing stories like that, that you're like, wow. And then here you are trying to battle this evil empire. Like, dude, I'm over it. I'm done. I'm going to go work construction <laughs> and get a real paycheck. Don't you know do I mean? it, bro. Don't <laughs> you know do it. Or can I do something else that pays my bills? And then you're like, you see that face, dude, or that kid, and you're like, "Wow, dude, my band's pretty cool, man." They did, we, you know, we we've been blessed to do something, and it was like, so you you never want to take that for granted, and and then then I just convinced myself, dude, hang on, it could be over next year, it could be over in five years, ten years, whatever, it could be over tomorrow, but I, I still have enough fuel in the tank because of what that kid said or that dude said or whatever, you know, and it's like, dude, all right. I'll keep rolling and see and see how long I can go. Keep rolling, bro. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you can have some sort of supplemental income, you know. I get that, but uh, I think I, know. I think from you know from what I know of you guys, I think you'll always do something with POD, man. Whether it be acoustic or you know, yeah, yeah, I, I feel you. I hope so, man. <laughs> no, and you certainly put a positive message out there with songs like "Alive" and yeah. "Youth of the Nation." So that's really cool to hear, brother. We You played some amazing shows, man, like OzFest. Uh, you opened for Kiss. Yeah. Uh, you played with Metallica. I mean, looking back on your amazing career, uh, is there a show that really stands out? Dude. There's got to be so many. There's so many and, and on different levels. I mean, you 
you can rock in front of the biggest festival with over a hundred thousand people and think, wow, what a, a rush. And then you can go play a freaking legendary rock club in the middle of nowhere where there's like, you know, 800 kids or people packed into a, a, a brick room and be like, now that was, that was the show that exactly, you know, so the energy dude is always, again, man, it's just kind of like, it's an adrenaline rush. And you're like, dude, here we are, you know, at the, older cats and dude, we still can rock like this and have people go nuts and like man this is the power of music and it's just uh again every show is different but we've been we've definitely been lucky to play with some some legends and you know meet legends and become friends with legends and it's just like you know this little band from san diego was able to do something absolutely man in december you guys did a fly out gig to india and it got canceled did you want to talk about that there were some riots out there yeah we we're so stoked because it was actually the first time, um, you know, a show was actually going through. And so we went, and I think, I think we literally were in the air for like 48 hours. I think we were literally on the ground in India for 36 and we had gotten there and they, there were, you know, just kind of like today, some riots and stuff going on for the causes out there. And so they couldn't um, assure that actually, I think they shut down one of the smaller airports. We were trying to get into a smaller town and then drive into a countryside and we couldn't there were stuff going on and um so we waited and waited to see what they could do and finally they just told us it's it's not going to happen so we, we turned around got back back on a plane and then we had to post a video saying dude we were, we were there it wasn't like wasn't our fault right <laughs> and if we can go back we will you know it's just but it was nuts india is a is a was definitely an eye-opening experience and we've been all around the world and india was bananas that's crazy man yeah, definitely uh, international success for POD. Is there a country outside of the States that really has a special place in your heart? I hear a lot of bands say Australia, you know, guys like Unwritten Law that I've talked to and even Sprung Monkey, your friends. Yeah, yeah. Those guys do well down there. Um, and they've always shown um, those guys love and they show us love too. So the, Australia, New Zealand is a, probably one of my favorite countries. Um, but but people-wise, like obviously like South America there's just such a certain passion. You know what I mean? Like, like we just did a couple tours last year in Europe and dude killed it. Europe, they just killed it. It was so nice to be back. Um, but there's, and they're, I love Europe because they're not like this trendy kind of thing. Like they, when they decide they love a band, they love a band, you know, whereas in the States, it's kind of like, you know, you're just old news. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I love this band today. And like the next thing that pops up, Oh, they're my favorite band. Sure. You know? Yeah. So there's that fickle kind of thing, whereas Europe and other countries in South America, same thing. It's like, you know, you get to their country, guys will drive or get they'll they'll go 48 hours just to get to where you're playing because they're like, dude, you guys haven't been here in 15 years. I wasn't gonna miss this show, and they'll sell their you know they'll sell whatever. Just like, dude, they're dedicated, and the passion is 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 what I wish we kind of had for music in our country. Now we've, we've gotten really spoiled. Yeah. Like oversaturated. Is that safe to say? I, I think so. I mean, and that's, that's part of the problem is that everybody's hustling to make a paycheck where even for us, we're like, bro, really? Like we just played this town, this city, like give it a break. Right. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I get it. It's not, it's not by any fault of these bands, especially bands like us that are hustling. It's like, dude, you're just trying to trying to make a paycheck. You know what I mean? You're working. That's what you do. Right. But there's a certain there's a certain level where it's like, yeah, but people are getting spoiled there, especially now with you can just watch the concert 
on online or on your phone. There's no mystery. You know what I mean? There's no. Right. You think about the bands back in the day. They were selling out stadiums and they didn't even have a gold record. Right. Because there was there was a mystery to like, dude. I have to go to this show. Dude, I live for concerts. That's just concerts are the thing. Now, why leave the comfort of your own, you know, whatever home system, theater system in your own home? We can watch a band and Dolby, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and not and not have to not have to pay for parking and deal with you know everybody's claustrophobic these days or germaphobes, whatever. Like, dude, I don't I don't need to go to a concert anymore. It's that old school mentality that there's still concert goers, but now a lot of these new kids, like, I kind of like being quarantined and indoors, you know? Yeah. Do you think people are going to be hungry to get back out there when shows do open back up? And when do you think that will be? That's the hope, man. I mean, for me, um, even now in San Diego, like, they're letting you us go to restaurants. It's like, dude, even that type of freedom now is like, dude, I'm on it. Right. I, I need to go. It's like, like a new appreciation or something, huh? Yeah. So that is my hope that, you know, I think for, you know, old school cats like me and just what, a little bit younger, they're going to want that, whether it's movies, you know. So my hope is that all that stuff just really picks up. But, you know, maybe for these younger teenagers that are just so glued to their, their phones and, and computer screens, it might not be as exciting for them, you know. So I, I don't know. Those things just have to change. And again, I mean, we, I think we, have dates that um on our itinerary that we're supposed to hit in this year but we haven't been given the green light yet so now you, that's why you have to plan for 2021 before all the availabilities are taken up so think about we're talking about oversaturation think about next year 2021 like right. you know as far as the business goes there's going to be a show every night of the week right but that makes it even more tough so like here you are in podunk wherever and you're like dude five of my bands are playing tonight where do i go yeah you're just trying to get to doing shows and then now when we get to doing shows we'll kind of see the the climate of where we're at there you know so like i said that's why we're preparing for 21 um it's actually our release our 20th anniversary of our satellite record wow so there's really big talks and big hopes of even maybe um teaming up with some other bands that have a 20-year um, album and just kind of just trying to make a package and do something great i think next year it really is going to come down to the package and Hopefully, with the weight of that record, we can either do our own thing at a great level, or even jump on some some bigger things and make it make the pack the package even better. There you go, right on twenty years, yeah. man. Twenty twenty one's the year, I guess. Then, huh? I mean, yeah, I hope so. Let's just fast forward this, huh? Already, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. dude. Crazy. <laughs> you were featured on MTV's Punked with Ashton Kutcher, dude. You want to talk about that funny story? <laughs> yeah. My cousin, the drummer, he was actually in on it, and I had I had no idea, <laughs> you know. And I think even at the time, like it was just kind of this crazy thing where I kind of knew, but then I'm like, well, why would they punk us? You know, what I mean, I just I kind of <laughs> I kind of thought that way, like, well, why would they do this? This is nuts. Would they go to this extreme to do this to us? This makes no sense. And then as we did it, and we, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of leery, and I'm looking around, and then kind of closer to the end. I mean, do you got to imagine like there's there's fire trucks on their side, so I'm like. There's no way these guys would go to this trouble, like for for our band. You know, that's just how I was thinking. But sure enough, like I'm just looking around, scout the area, and then I see this guy kind of with this one of them boom mics, way by one of the the semi trucks or whatever. And like, well, as soon as I looked that way, he he tried to hide, and I'm like, and then I looked at yeah, and I looked at my cousin. I'm like, oh, uh, you knew, oh, dude, yeah, we are, we are being punked. And he's like, no, you dude, we're not, we're not. He was in on it, <laughs> and that was just towards the end, but. 
so then I realized, okay, yeah, we're being plugged. This is crazy. That was a funny show, man. I remember watching that. Yeah, MTV treated you guys pretty well with uh, TRL. You got a shout out, TRL, bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> All these kids are like TRL. What's that? TRL was uh, that was the show back in the day, bro, for sure. Oh, dude, I have, I can honestly say that was probably the love that we've gotten. You know, that we got at that time was was probably the kickstart you know what i mean to to pod success and but not only that it it, it was because back then we didn't have social media it wasn't this internet thing that was probably the end of days when it was actually about the fan because how could a no-name band like pod be on a top 10 if it wasn't for the the, the fan or the person that actually waited whatever hour it was in in for that day and their their in their standard time to actually pick up the phone and dial it, right? It wasn't like now vote, vote on your smartphone, one click of the button. It was like, no, they had to wait. That's right. From whatever, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. in your in your time zone and actually vote and say, my vote is for POD. And that's really was a testament of really the loyalty of the fan base because at that point I think MTV and they were saying, Who is this band that's like that that's on our radar all of a sudden? Like we don't know who these guys are. Right. But it was because the fan. And so that, again, you know, I think those days are kind of long over. You know, I mean, even it's sad because the, the, you think the loyalty of your fan base was it was incredible. Like to me, that was that's probably my biggest accomplishment was just thinking like, dude, there's kids out there, music fans that are fighting for this unknown San Diego band to be on the biggest platform in the world like that. How crazy is that? But, you know, now it's just kind of it's just it's kind of a it's past that idea. Now it's just whatever dude there's a billion bands out there now do you think it's easier to make it as a band now or or 20 years ago i mean given instagram i kind of see you know instagram and facebook as the modern day digital bulletin board right for your flyer but there's just so many right it's just there's so many bands out there but what what is what is making it you know what what does that mean nowadays when when you know a, a kid can jump on Instagram and have 10 billion followers because he can fart like through whatever <laughs> you know like so you know what I'm saying so what's what's but 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 corporate looks at that and says dude let's give this guy a deal you know he be only because not because of his talent because he's got 10 billion followers so it's just a business and so and again not to take away from artists and musicians that are doing it now but there's I think mo most people are concentrating on the, the business and the marketing aspect more than they are their craft or their, their gifts, you know what I mean? Or either, right. or their music or just being a band in general. It's like, dude, that, that all comes last now. Now I just got to tattoo my face, you know, like, or I got to, <laughs> I got to, I got to nestle up with these people or I just do something that's so shock value that people are going to remember my name, you know? So it doesn't, it's not like, Whoa, dude, nobody's vouching for anybody. Like, dude, I vouch for that guy. That guy, you know what I mean? That's legit. Now it's like, I don't vouch for nothing, dude, because nobody's legit anymore. And then that that's, it's sad to say, and then I just sound like the old guy again, but. <laughs> Get off my lawn, bro. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it does suck. And you said sad. And I think in a lot of ways it is kind of sad. I mean, I think there's some talent out there. I I think you'd agree, you know, in the top. Oh, yeah. Top 10, but it's different. It's di it is different. Um, yeah. And we are kind of sounding like the older guys. <laughs> You were interested in starting a label of your own, right? In 2010, Dead World Records? Yeah, I just, I wanted to so, so bad. But that was kind of, 
that was kind of the turning point when I started to see this shift and, and even with the labels and stuff and even like with the new trends and it was like, there is no real do it yourself, like label anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and I'll do, like I said, I'm not, bro, I'm so sick of looking at my phone and I do it because I, I you know, I have to a certain degree, but I'm like, dude, I'm just not built for it. You know, like, dude, if it's my kids and they're like, that's their hustle and, and I get it, you're hustling, you're doing it. But even now, like, you know, with us and even like with new management and new ways, and I'm talking in these meetings and it's just like, look, dude, we need those 24 year olds that are going to give us like, or tell us how to do it because I'm not trying to do it. I don't want to be on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like w- when you have major labels talking to you about TikTok, bro, you're yeah. like, what? bro, <laughs> first of all, I'm not going to be on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> I'm over, I'm over it, but I'm, I'm willing to listen to, you know, listen to the ideas at least. But dude, at some point it's like, man, all we know how to do is be a band. Why can't we just make music? You guys put it out, but it, everything is different. And so that's, again, one of the frustrating aspects of it where you're like, dude, how much more can I, can I do this? You know, I see, I see Instagram, Instagram, I thought, okay, at least I'm on Instagram. That's cool. I never got into the, all the other stuff, yeah. you know, but now I see my, again, my colleagues, my friends, all these other hustling musicians, and they're freaking doing skits on TikTok. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, first of all, I don't even know what TikTok is. Those sellouts, bro. <laughs> but I get it. You know, I haven't gotten into TikTok either. I, I really haven't. I don't, I don't even know what it is, but when I see like musicians that I actually love, I'm like, man, that's my boy. Like, I love this guy. <laughs> this guy's a shredder. You know, he's a killer. Right. And now you now you have him like doing routines with his daughter on TikTok. Like, what happened <laughs> to rock and roll? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's I crazy. feel you, brother. Yeah, it's no. Crazy. Old school mentality, I guess, kind of, right? Yeah, dude. But dude, come on. Like, the, again, the, again, there's, there's such a circus of stuff like, you know, we look at the, the slayers and the slipknots and all stuff. We're like, dude, these guys are so metal. They're so hard. Like, you know how many times I've walked into a boutique, like a boutique <laughs> with freaking with a slayer shirt? Like, right. they know, they know their shirts here. Trust me. Right. So they can be on stage and be as metal and as diehard for whatever. Bro, you are in the boutique business now. So <laughs> you're not fooling me, but, 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 but good for you because you fooled a lot of people. And 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 now you have Beverly Hills folks <laughs> buying a Slayer shirt or a Slipknot shirt, uh, you know, an eight hundred dollars Slipknot shirt at a freaking boutique on Beverly Hills. Okay, good for you, man. Hey, man, maybe I shouldn't be so bitter and I should just jump <laughs> in the business game. But you know, right. again, checks and balances, bro. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think when Slayer starts doing skits on TikTok, <laughs> that's when we call it quits, right, bro? That's when it's over. <laughs> then it's, just, it, it's all been we've been lied to this whole time it's all a sham i quit i think there's a you know a small part of uh, selling your soul i think which you you made reference to right of course bro it, it really does exist <laughs> yeah well you know that the dead world records uh, more power to you brother i'd like to see that thanks man we'll see dude like like i said i i, I tried and then i just even that's when i first met scott and those guys and there was these, that's right. these local bands where it was like dude these guys are awesome i think it was more for the my heart that was like dude there's so many good bands and like nobody's seeing them. You know what I mean? Like, like there's even now, like there's so much garbage out there and you're like, like, like you say, we have to weed through it just to find the good stuff. And so I guess my intentions were good. And then once you realize that, dude, this is, 
such a fight against the machine. It's like, oh, dude, I, this will consume me, bro. If I, you know, so whatever. I, I try to help whenever I can. And, you know, the little, the little battles that, that mean something. You got to have uh, some respect for guys like Fat Mike, right? Oh, yeah. Dude. I mean, dudes that are doing it on their own. Oh yeah, bro. And they, they have been doing it. And, and luckily, like I said, there's still a, a niche for those guys that got right in there at the right time to be able to do it and kind of stay who they are and really keep that punk rock, you know, do yourself kind of mentality. Um, but dude, but even in that, I mean, if you were actually probably to be able to sit down with that mic and talk about all his regrets or bitterness towards this and that, he, you know, or the compromises that he, I'm sure he's had to make is like, you look yep. back, you're like, Oh dude, I said I was never going to do that. And then you <laughs> find yourself doing it. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's not do this again. <laughs> the whosoever's. Why don't you talk about that, man? Actually, it just started, bro. It's like, obviously, I mean, it's no secret. I'm a, a man of faith and, and it's always been a part of, you know, who I am and, and this band and this music and right. there was just a time again through going all the craziness and the nonsense we were talking about where and you know you said it bro you talking about selling your soul where you just really feel like dude I I feel like I've you know again it's, it was all a learning experience but you feel like dude how much of me has been consumed by just yeah dude this this industry yeah. you know what I mean and so it just was more of a soul searching of like hey dude I just want to be grounded in the things that I believe and but at the same time, I understand the, the hypocrisy, even in my own faith. And, and, and then there's different people all around the world. My experience is, is just is on a different scale. And there's, so now I'm questioning a lot of things, a lot of different views, you know, a lot of stuff, bro. So it really just came down to being with people that were like-minded. You know, I can't relate to this pastor over here or this crook evangelist on this TV station. I'm like, that's not me. Although I, I do have core foundations, but that's not me. You know what I mean? And all my friends are rock stars and, you know, all these guys. And it's like, they know who I am. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, right. it's a balance of all those things. And then a lot of the guys that were my friends that were, you know, coming to their faith and they were just like, dude, I'm just trying to stay sober or I'm just, dude, I'm just trying not to lose my life again. You know what I mean? Or I'm trying to find reason to live. And so it really was just more teaming up with like-minded guys like that to say, Hey dude, I love God, man. I'm, I'm the biggest sinner of them all. I just, I'm just trying to make my way, you know what I mean? And not fall right. off. And, and it was more of just an accountability thing. And then, you know, with certain guys that just wanted to be, it was more, like I said, more like a brotherhood. And then, but then we started to get the opportunity to share our stories, you know, with young people and it just be, it kind of moved that way. And then, um, you know, once I jumped back into the music game again, a lot of us that did, um, it still continues to move on with a good, good friend my brother ryan who he gets to go on these schools and kind of tell his crazy stories and give away skateboards and pizzas and you know fun stuff and just say hey dude there's a different way very cool and you can follow that if you're interested on instagram at the whosoever's correct yeah yeah and then do you have a website as well the whosoever's.com yeah awesome if you could tour dreaming if you could tour with any band alive or uh dead that you haven't already. Uh, you've done some amazing tours, obviously, but uh, who's the band that you'd pick, man? I mean, obviously, I'd have to go with some of my favorites, and that would obviously have to be from from Bob Marley to The Police. There you go. To maybe U2, yeah, and Carlos Santana. All the guys that, you know, really kind of had a, just, I just, you know, there was just something there. Right. <laughs> I was like, I like these guys. 
That's so, that's some diversity too. Those bands you listed. That uh, I think that reflects Pod's sound a bit. You know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, throw the bad brains on there, and it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. If you won the lottery tomorrow, bro, what's the first thing you buy? I probably just pay off all my bills and debt, and and then um, whatever. Do take care of the family. I'm not a flashy person. Never have. Never. Yeah. Never been. I, I just want security for, for my family, you know, not to sound like whatever. I just won Miss America. But, <laughs> dude, I I know my heart and the heart of my family. And, bro, I would, I would just help help people. on. I mean, I, I, I help as what I can now on my scale. But there's so much need, you know, out there. And I don't need a car. You know, I don't need another car. I don't need a bigger house. You know what I mean? There's a lot more need out in this world. And, um, you know, and that's why I even started up my own foundation and was trying to get that um, up and going. And I think a lot of it would just probably go into my foundation that would be able to help a lot of the inner city kids here. Just uh, give them a chance to succeed. Right on, brother. Have you played Saturday Night Live? We actually played it. And um, I think it was uh what's his, what was the the mayor at that time the uh oh giuliani giuliani because it was during right after 9 11 right we actually we actually played and he was the only guest and we got to do a live in euthanation wow i didn't know that i'm glad i asked i was actually gonna ask yeah look it up dude that was like we were just like what are we doing here dude <laughs> incredible you know from researching you guys a little bit more i saw that satellite was released on 9 11 right yep 9-11 at the time uh, alive was already on radio and so and i think we played battery park for trl like two three days beforehand so i remember driving to the airport and then you know our friends from new york like dude there's the twin towers and we're like wow this was crazy and then we were home and all this happened and we we're like what the heck just happened dude right yeah i mean obviously to us it didn't matter that we had a record coming out it was like what the heck's going on with our world but i think really again it was it was a limelight to what was going on in the world and even a flashlight to people that were like dude okay what's important you know what i mean like do i need to listen to another slipknot record like that was <laughs> that was just the truth and i'm not saying nothing but you know it's just yeah. or another slayer record like nobody wanted that at the time they wanted some substance or something of like hope and here we are this up and coming band, you know, they had some success, but we have a, we have a song on the radio that's called alive. Right. So that was more like people were like, dude, I need something like that. And I think we, I think, yeah, we were probably a handful of bands at the time that even the world cared to listen to at that time. And so it really, it really did give us a platform and, you know, it made me proud that we were one of those bands, you know, it was like, you know, they weren't asking, you know, this hip hop group that sings about, you know, X, Y, and Z, or this rock band that sings about X, Y, and Z, they were asking POD, like, dude, what, what do you think's going on in our world? What's, what's going on? And here we were like, dude, I just want to love people, dude, and make some right. music. <laughs> yeah. So crazy, man. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, such a positive message for that time and destined to release, you know, at that time. For sure. For sure. Yeah, crazy. Moving on here, a couple more questions for you, brother. If you could bring a musician back from the dead for one final concert. I would definitely like to see Jimi Hendrix live. That would be sick. Hendrix at the Casbah? Or <laughs> Dude, how rad would that be? Yeah. Anywhere. Anywhere. That'd be cool. Any yeah. Anywhere. <laughs> He'd have to play like like every night of the 
the year. <laughs> yeah, man. Last question, brother. Five-year goal for POD. Um, you know, crazy times right now. I think you just want to get back up on that stage. Uh, do you have any long-term goals for the band? You know, anything you haven't already achieved in your successful career? No, man. I, I think we've always looked at it like, wow, we made it another year. We made another tour. You know, because I think it's just more of that grateful mentality. Like, dude, we never thought we would. We were just that band. We never thought we were like, we, we never thought we'd leave San Diego. Right. So when we, here we are, you know, we could be in the middle of nowhere and we're one of us is frustrated or bummed. We'll look at each other and be like, dude, how cool is it, though? that We're, you know, we're playing a, a packed out show tonight. Like, yeah, right. that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so keep the perspective. So, again, five years, bro, if. I do know one thing. I knew I knew we'll all still be brothers. You know what I mean? We'll all still love each other and it'll be what it is, whether we're touring or whether we're just raising our families. Right on, brother. Hopefully shows get back started sooner than later, man. I'm going to a drive-in show this Sunday, Petco Park. I'm sure you've heard about that, right? The B-Side one and all a bunch of other bands? There's a bunch of bands, yeah. Uh, Switchfoot's headlining. Uh, Hyrie is playing. Yeah, we're going. I'm, I'm bringing my seven-year-old and my wife. We're gonna pack in the car, dude. What are your thoughts on that drive-through concerts, bro? I think I think we're gonna to have to stop on through, man. I've been everybody's been hitting me up about certain things, and even guys that want to do even like the whiskey. And there's people that are doing indoor concerts and they're filming it like it, you know, a live show. But for us, I'm like, I think we're just trying to get our stuff together, and I think we're just staying positive that dude, stuff's gonna change. Like, you know, you hear people like, dude, let's invest in drive-in concerts like really what if this what if everything changes up tomorrow I and mean, that's that's nothing yeah you know what i'm saying like dude, i mean it's cool now and it's dude it's amazing now but is it going to be the next new thing no I, I don't think so once people get going it's like dude i want to go to the casbah and see a show right man yeah once you can touch people again you know we'll be back to, <laughs> we'll be back to it <laughs> this industry doesn't do too well without human interaction right you know not our not our industry. you know you need to get in that pit we need to get back in that pit so uh that's right Dude, Sonny, congrats on such a, uh, you know, from my perspective, an amazing, successful career, man. And uh, thanks, brother. Thanks for being such a humble guy and taking your time to come on this podcast. You certainly didn't have to, but I appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure, bro. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, check out his uh, collaboration with Locals Nights Like Thieves. Yeah. Sonny, thanks for your time, dude. Hey, thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate you, man. Take care, brother. Appreciate you. Palapalooza, we're talking to you. 
Sometimes the life of losers 